0: Investigation. We're going to get the, the facts, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to do our review. Uh, law enforcement's going to do its review, and like any criminal investigation, people are entitled to due process and entitled to um, uh, hearing out the facts.
1: And this is Stephanie.
2: Rule, if
3: those members of Congress are found to have been involved in some way, shape, or form, if and how should they be held accountable?
0: Well, they should be expelled from Congress, first and foremost, because that's uh, certainly not befitting the conduct of a member of Congress, but expulsion uh, and uh, prohibition from holding elected office would be appropriate, and there should be criminal liability. And if you're involved in uh, what was an insurrection, a criminal attack on the United States Capitol to try to derail our democracy, you should be subject to criminal prosecution.
4: Congressman, uh, the news by Liz Cheney that she's going to support impeachment. um, Look, I'm hesitant. Obviously, you're not a Republican vote counter. But how many more Republican votes do you think
2: That's
0: worth. I don't know. I, I, I don't. Willing to put their personal self-interest, their safety, uh, their security on the line to do the right thing and to act with integrity. And not everybody has the the you know the leadership ability of Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney, uh, who have decided to do the right thing. Um, I, I hope that more will join. All should join. I, I know they won't, uh, but we're going to see. And for her to come out and to lead the way and to kind of open up a path for others to follow her uh, is truly remarkable, and I think she'd be, she should be commended. And I have all sorts of policy and political disagreements with Liz Cheney, uh, but what she is doing is incredibly courageous, and I commend her for it.
5: Congressman, um, I, I think the you're at your office there
2: at the Capitol. To get onto the floor, I understand... ...your Republican colleagues, but having to go through them, Andy Biggs, I think...
0: You have to put your own feelings and your own convenience aside and do what's right for your colleagues, do what's right for the organization that you're in and the people you represented for the nation. Uh, it's just like masks. You know, I don't like wearing a mask, but I do it because I have obligations. You know, if, if having metal detectors is what the law enforcement officers have said they need us to do to make sure they can keep us safe right now, is Mm -hmm. is really beyond the pale. Uh, So, you know, we are seeing in stark contrast who has leadership ability and who doesn't. Uh, We have to be
2: the...
6: To incite this attack, without consequences, is a direct threat to the future of democracy. This is not some backbencher on your side of the aisle, on their side of the aisle, Mr. Speaker. It reflects the sense of outrage, the sense of historic dissimilarity from the actions of any previous president. And then Mr. Adam Kinzinger, member to the NG Commerce Committee, a senior member from Illinois. So I have a member from Wyoming, a member from Illinois, and a member from New York. There will be others on this vote who will join them. And Mr. Kinzinger said this, if these actions, He hasn't had any hearings. He hasn't had any. He doesn't need any long drawn out consideration if these actions are not worthy of impeachment. Then what is an impeachable offense. There is no doubt in my mind that the president of the United States broke his oath and incited this insurrection. I tell my friend, Mr. Speaker. A gentleman for whom I have great respect, he is my friend, and I say that honestly, not just as rhetoric as we say on this floor, because there's some that I don't consider friends, whose values I do not share. That is not Mr. Cole. We have a difference. Liz Cheney, John Katko, Adam Kinzer, and other Republicans whom I have talked to within the last 24 hours. believe this action is required. Now, let me say, I see the gentleman from Ohio is on the floor. He likes to say that we Democrats were elected and the first thing we wanted to do was impeach this president. And he's shaking his head in agreement because like the president of the United States, he denies the facts. Trump-like. Fake news, December 6, 2017, Mr. Green, who I'm going to refer to, offered a motion because he saw the danger that confronted our country, and he filed a resolution of impeachment. And on December 6, 2017, we had a vote on that, and the majority of Democrats voted no actually they voted yes to table so that we did not proceed in 2017 a gentleman from texas mr green thought however the next year that there was still a danger to our country some of us shared that view but we were not a ass- confident that the case could be made or that the transactions that had proceeded uh, would lead to conviction. So on January 19th of 2018, we had a motion to table Mr. Green's resolution and the majority of Democrats voted to table that resolution. What a rush to judgment. And then on July 17th, 2019, Nine days before the call to Ukraine to get the Ukrainian leader to act on the political behalf of the President of the United States and withheld money to defend the Ukrainian people from Russian involvement and offered that as a bribe. And on July 17th, the majority of Democrats voted to table that resolution. So, Mr. Speaker, there was no rush to judgment, and then that call to which I just referred was on July 26th, nine days later. I call that the aha moment. Yes, I knew what I thought, but that was proof. And the gentlemen, some gentlemen have lamented that we didn't know the whistleblower, because after all, if we knew the whistleblower, we can intimidate everybody else from coming forward. And this president has done everything he can to intimidate whistleblowers, people who came forward and told the truth. And we had witness after witness after witness who confirmed what the whistleblower brought to our attention. So the reason I rise today and I'm going to speak on the resolution itself at some later time is to recognize the Contributions that Al Green of Texas has made to getting us to this place, and I just want—I'm not going to read all the resolution, but I want to read some ex- excerpts from the resolution he has introduced. We won't be considering his resolution; we'll be considering Mr. Cicilline and over 200 others who have signed on to the resolution. Mr. Green had a resolution when introduced resolve that Donald Trump president of the United States is impeached for high crimes and misdemeanors and the following articles of impeachment be exhibited in the Senate article 1 says in his conduct with the president what excuse me in his conduct while President of the United States unmindful of the high duties of his high office and dignity and proprieties thereof and of the harmony and courtesies necessary for stability to which my friend, Uh, spoke, a gentleman from Oklahoma, Donald Trump, Trump, in violation of his constitutional and oath faithfully to execute the office of president, has harmed the society of the United States, brought shame and dishonor to the office of the president of the United States, sowing discord among the people of the United States by weaponizing hate For political gain. He went on to say on January 6, 2021, in a speech at the National Mall, President Donald Trump weaponized the hate and resulted that resulted in violence, the deaths of multiple people, an assault on democracy and an insurrection against the capital of the United States of America by inciting a mob. Who said that? Liz Cheney said it. And Al Green said it. infected with white supremacists, carrying a rebel flag, erecting a gallows structure with a noose, wearing shirts and hateful messages, such as Camp Auschwitz. Work brings freedom. And MAGA Civil War, January 6, 2021. MAGA Civil War. They had the hats on of the army of MAGA which I refer to as make America grieve again. We grieved at Fort Sumter. We, gr- we grieved on December 7th, 1941, and we grieved on 9-11. And yes, we grieved on December, excuse me, January 6th of this year. He goes on to say what the president told this mob that Liz Cheney said was recruited by the president of the United States. And I quote, this is the president talking to this mob. All of us here today do not want to see our election victory stolen by a bold and radical left Democrats, like the secretary of state in Georgia and the governor of Georgia, which is what they are doing and stolen by the fake news media, inciting, riling up, creating anger with the fake news and lies that the president of the United States said to these folks. That is what they have done and what they are doing, the president continued, we will never." give up. We will never concede. It doesn't happen. You don't concede when there's theft involved. And so what did they do? Incited by this president, as Liz Cheney said, as John Katko said, as Adam Kinzinger said, and frankly, what Secretary Chow acted upon and what the Secretary of Homeland Security acted upon and what so many others in the administration have acted upon, disgusted, dismayed, and disheartened by what their president had done. They got out, they quit. The president further emboldened him saying, This is the green resolution. We're not considering it, but it is the green resolution. The president further emboldened them saying, you will never take back our country with weakness. We had a display of non-weakness, criminal insurrection-like conduct. Recruited by and deployed by the President of the United States to come to this Capitol and stop the steal. The steal, of course, was we assembled accepting what all the courts that considered it said was a fair and accurate election of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris as President and Vice President of the United States. After his National Mall speech, a mob of his supporters proceeded to the Capitol complex. We know that. And so Mr. Green's resolution ends with, wherefore, to prevent national harm to our society, Donald John Trump by such conduct warrants immediate impeachment trial and removal from office and disqualification to hold and enjoy any Office of Honor, Trust, or Profit under the United States Constitution and the 14th Amendment. So in conclusion, uh, Mr. Green is going to speak after me. But in conclusion, Mr. Speaker, let me tell my friend, Mr. Cole. I've been here some time. He has as well. I've served with Ronald Reagan, with George H.W. Bush, and George Bush. I had respect for all of those presidents They cared about our country. They honored our Constitution. And they executed the duties of their office consistent with the Constitution and laws of our country. That is not true of this president. And therefore, he ought to be removed. And we have that opportunity to do so is there little time left yes but it is never too late
7: to do the right thing i yield back to balance my time gentleman from maryland yields gentleman from massachusetts is recognized
8: at this point i'd like to yield one minute to the gentleman from texas my good friend mr green gentleman from
7: texas is recognized for one minute <clears throat>
9: Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I, I had tears to so well in my eyes as I heard Mr. Hoyer, and I know that hearts are hurting. It's a very sad time in the history of our country. No one is celebrating. No one wants to see this occur. I was at the Rules Committee by way of Zoom. I was there for the entire hearing. Those members on the other side, this is something that they understand and they take seriously. Regardless as to what's said, I could sense that they're hurting too. So I just wanna thank everyone for all that has happened and the appreciation that's been shown. And I want to say that the healing that we talk about that has to begin. May I, may I have just 30 seconds?
7: I yield the gentleman 30 seconds. Gentleman has additional 30 seconds. Thank you.
9: The healing, it also, it has to start with some of these people who were there initially who helped to lay this foundation, 110 people. I wanna recognize Maxine Waters, Congresswoman.
10: Debate continues on the floor uh, of the House of Representatives there. You just heard from Steny Hoyer a moment ago, the leader saying it is urgent for Congress to act. He said in an earlier interview that he plans to send impeachment to the Senate this week. House impeachment managers named. Let's bring in Chad Pergram with the latest on Capitol Hill. As we now expect a lengthy vote series, Chad, to take place. You're suggesting 1020, 1030 a.m. Eastern time, about a half an hour from now. And that will run in To the noon hour Eastern time. Tell us what we are about to see, Chad. And probably a little bit
11: longer than that because they usually give deference on the House floor to the leaders. So Steny Hoyer took more than was the allotted time. So this pre-debate this debate on what we call the rule which sets the parameters you have to first agree to how you're going to play baseball or basketball that day on the house or senate floor you have to do that first once they have established the rule then they can get on to the actual debate later on probably midday and i would suspect that it's probably going to be later now because jenny hoyer spoke for quite a long time i want you to consider the significance of the day this is the second time in just 13 months that they are impeaching President Donald Trump. There have only been uh, you know, two persons, including President Trump later today, who have been impeached twice. In fact, there have only been 20 impeachments ever by the House of Representatives. Only one article of impeachment in this particular instance, the charge here, is incitement of insurrection. Now, keep in mind the House of Representatives kind of operates like the grand jury. They basically are bringing a charge against the president of the United States. And you alluded to Steny Hoyer there. What they have built into this rule, which they will vote on later today, that triggers the impeachment managers and sends the resolution to the Senate, Jamie Raskin, the Democratic Congressman from Maryland who lost his son just before New Year's, uh, he will be the lead impeachment manager. You remember a year ago, it was Adam Schiff uh, from California. So they basically prosecute the case, before the United States Senate. And and that could potentially start as early as this week. You know, there's some mechanical things that actually happen when you impeach in the House of Representatives, how they send things over to the Senate. The Senate is technically out of session right now. And you can actually start an impeachment trial after someone has left office. There is precedent for that. I mentioned, you know, the second uh, person uh, only to be impeached twice, President Trump and William Blount who was a senator from Tennessee back in the the 1790s. He was impeached twice by the House and had a Senate trial that at least started before they dismissed the charges in 1799, and William Belknap, who was Secretary of War in 1876, and he resigned uh, before they they actually started the trial. They still went ahead with the trial, and, uh, and they acquitted him. We also have a more contemporary example here where they didn't have a Senate trial when they sent over an article of impeachment. Again, this has only happened 20 times in American history. You had Samuel Kent, who was a federal judge back in 2009. They impeached him, they sent the articles of impeachment to the Senate, and before uh, they started the trial, he stepped down. And so the Senate basically had to have some sort of a a vote just to kind of flush that out to to, to complete the process. But that's where we are. The other thing to watch for today, is just how many Republicans are willing to vote for impeachment. I spoke this morning with Steve Scalise, the Republican whip, and he indicated that it was fewer than 20. We know of five already, uh, notably uh, Liz Cheney, the Republican conference chair. She is the number three ranking Republican in the House of Representatives, and the fact that there is a break between her and Kevin McCarthy. And a lot of Republicans are having to weigh this. You have others like Adam Kinzinger, who's a moderate, who has been very critical of the president, John Katko, also a moderate Republican from upstate New York. So they are among the five. I asked Scalise, if that number would be closer to about 20 Republican defections or closer to five. And he thought it would be closer to five. So that vote, again, to run through the schedule, we were thinking maybe sometime in the three o'clock hour, uh, because things usually tend to bleed later. You know, what we call on Capitol Hill, if you're a soccer fan, injury and booking time, it takes a little bit longer to finish the half. So I would expect that to vote in the uh, the House to impeach the president, probably to come sometime after four o'clock, but a resolution certainly before five or, or six o'clock at this stage. Sandra?
10: Chad, thank you. Uh, Trace, you want to jump in here?
12: Yeah, I was just curious, Chad, because you talked about the possibility of this thing going faster than we thought it could go if, in fact, they get this thing together and it moves on to
11: trial. How long do you
12: suspect an actual trial would take in the Senate?
11: Well, very unclear. You have established Senate impeachment trial rules, and the deal is you meet Every day, except Sunday at 1 p.m., the Chief Justice comes over and presides. That's one of the reasons they start at 1 o'clock. Two questions on that point. If this starts afterwards, would Justice Roberts actually preside? And you could also approve a separate set of rules for that trial, so we don't know.
12: Yeah, Chad Perger, live for us on Capitol Hill. Chad, thank you. Let's go back to the hearing now. This is Congresswoman Nancy Mace.
3: The violence that could transpire. Not only were our lives in danger, but if my kids were here, their lives would have been in danger too. The two most precious people in my life, Mr. Speaker, the President of the United States, the U.S. House of Representatives has every right to impeach the President of the United States. But what we're doing today, rushing this impeachment in an hour or two hour long debate on the floor of this chamber, bypassing judiciary, poses great questions about the constitutionality of this process. I believe we need to hold the president accountable. I hold him accountable for the events that transpired for the attack on our Capitol last Wednesday. I also believe that we need to hold accountable every single person, even members of Congress, if they contributed to the violence uh, that transpired here. But today I'm asking my colleagues to remember the words, of the legendary, the great leader in this country, Dr. Martin Luther King, who once said, the time is always right to do what is right. And if we're serious about healing the divisions in this country, Republicans and Democrats need to acknowledge this is not the first day of violence we've seen. We've seen violence across our country for the last nine months. And we need to recognize, number one, that our words have consequences that there is violence on both sides of the aisle. We've contributed to it. We need to take responsibility for our words and our actions. We need to acknowledge there is a problem, take responsibility for it and stop being part of the problem and start being part of the solution. God bless every member in the chamber today and God bless the United States of America. I yield back.
7: Thank you. The gentleman from Oklahoma Reserve, the gentleman from Massachusetts is recognized. Mr. Speaker, I'm happy to yield one minute to the gentleman from Vermont, Mr. Welsh. Gentleman from Vermont is recognized for one minute.
13: Uh, Mr. Speaker, our government is founded on the principle, all power flows from the people. Donald Trump challenged this principle in two ways, deceit and violence. The deceit is repeated and baseless assertion of an electoral fraud. The violence, the attack on the United States Capitol on January 6th, The mob was assembled by Donald Trump, incited by Donald Trump, and in service of Donald Trump's effort to overturn through violence what he lost at the voting booth. The violent mob breached the Capitol, killed and injured Capitol Police, destroyed property, threatened the vice president, members of Congress and staff, all to obstruct the peaceful transfer of power. If we want unity, we must have accountability so the question before this congress will congress condone through acquiescence or condemn through impeachment donald trump's violent acts to overturn the election gentlemen time has expired
7: gentlemen from massachusetts is back. reserves gentlemen from oklahoma is recognized thank
13: you very
14: much mr speaker mr speaker i yield 2 minutes to distinguish the distinguished Republican leader of the Judiciary Committee, Mr. Jordan of Ohio.
7: The gentleman from Ohio is recognized for two minutes.
14: Thank the gentleman
15: for yielding. Mr. Speaker, uh, in his opening remarks, the Democrat chair of the Rules Committee said that Republicans last week voted to overturn the results of an election. Guess who the first objector was on January 6, 2017. First objector, the Democrat chair of the Rules Committee. And guess which state he objected to? Alabama the very first state called Alabama. President Trump I think won Alabama by like 80 points. Actually he won it by but he won it by 30 points. They can object they can object to Alabama in 2017, but tell us we can't object to Pennsylvania in 2021? Pennsylvania where the state supreme court just unilaterally extended the election to Friday? Pennsylvania where the secretary of state unilaterally changed the rules? went around the legislature in unconstitutional fashion. Pennsylvania were county clerks in some counties, and you can imagine which counties they were, let people fix their ballots against the law, fix, cure their ballots, their mail-in ballots, directly viol- direct violation of the law. And they tell us we tried to overturn the election. Guess who the second objector was in 2017? The individual managing the impeachment for the Democrats. Americans are tired of the double standard. They are so tired of it. Democrats object to more states in 2017 than Republicans did last week, but somehow we're wrong. Democrats can raise bail for rioters and looters this summer, but somehow when Republicans condemn all the violence, the violence this summer, the violence last week, somehow we're wrong. And Democrats can investigate the president of the United States. As Mr. Hoyer went through, try to impeach him investigating for four years but will not look at an election that 80 million americans have the electorate 80 million republicans and democrats have their doubts about i i i said this last night i do not know where all this goes and this is frightening for the country we should defeat this rule and we should defeat the impeachment resolution
7: when it comes up gentlemen's times expired gentlemen from oklahoma reserve gentlemen from massachusetts is recognized
8: Mr. Speaker, some of us um, objected uh, uh, four years ago uh, as a protest vote to raise concerns about what all of our intelligence agencies had stated clearly that Russia interfered in our election. But what the gentleman fails to acknowledge is that we all acknowledge that Donald Trump was the president the day after the election. Hillary Clinton conceded the day after the the election. Uh, And and, uh, none of us push conspiracy theories like some of my friends on the other side of the aisle have been doing, and this president, that somehow that the president wanted a landslide. Give me a break. You know, yesterday in the Rules Committee, I asked the gentleman from Ohio uh, if he would just say five simple words, and if he, he was talking about healing. Uh, the five simple words that you could say that would help heal this nation are that the election was not stolen. That's it, five simple words. He refused. He said he never said the election was stolen. Well, the evidence shows otherwise. And let me quote from this Dana Milbank piece entitled Five Pesky Little Words Keep Stumping Jim Jordan. And uh, and and, and Mr. Speaker, the bottom line is this. Um, We, this Capitol was stormed. People died because of the big lies that were being told by this president and by too many people on the other side of the aisle. Enough. People should be outraged as to what happened. It was unforgivable, unconscionable and coming up on this floor and talking about whataboutism and trying to make these false equivalencies, give me a break. The president of the United States instigated instigated an attempted coup in this country. People died. Everybody should be outraged, whether you're a Democrat or Republican. If this is not an impeachable offense, I don't know what the hell is. This president is not fit to remain in office.
7: With that, I yield one minute. To the gentleman from Oregon, Mr. DeFazio. Gentleman from Oregon is recognized for one minute. I thank the gentleman. Uh, This was not a one off. It was a long time coming as a part of a plan to perpetuate. Well,
12: there you have it. You've got the Rules Committee now debating the rule. Remember, this isn't the actual debate for the impeachment. This is the debating of the rule for impeachment. We expect the debate to happen sometime around 1230, 1 o'clock Eastern Time, and the actual impeachment vote might not happen till 3 or 4 o'clock, maybe even later this afternoon. Uh, And of course, we are watching this for any news that comes out of this, and we will bring you any insight that we get on that, so.
10: Okay, thank you. Let's bring in Katie Pavlish now, editor at townhall.com and a Fox News contributor. Katie, will continue to monitor the House floor there as the debate continues and uh, we await the what is next. As you hear many of the Democrats on the House floor quoting Liz Cheney, who has thrown her support uh, behind Democrats' push for this impeachment, uh, blaming Trump for fomenting the anger. She said he lit the flame for this attack. Everything that followed was his doing. Your thoughts so far on what we've seen on the House floor?
16: Well, what we're seeing on the House floor, I think there's a difference between how Democrats and Republicans are approaching this. You also had newly elected freshman Congresswoman Nancy Mace reflecting on all of the violence that we've seen over the past year and saying that both sides have to come together, where Democrats are arguing that only the events of last week should be considered in this debate. It is true that... Congresswoman Liz Cheney is being quoted a number of times on the House floor. Uh, there's nothing in her statement that talks about, she, uh, you know, joining with Democrats as a result of her decision. She's simply working off of her own set of principles and what she thinks is best for the country moving forward. But, Sandra, as we go through this process, as we hear the debate on the floor, the big question, as you just mentioned, is what is next? Will When this, when this will go to the Senate, will the House hold on to the articles of impeachment as they did for a few days last time around? or will they continue to move forward at a record pace as they claim that the president is too dangerous to be in office. And then of course, there are political implications for a uh, president elect Joe Biden, who wants to get his cabinet in place, an impeachment process, if it were to uh, be started on January 19th and continue through the first couple of weeks of his presidency would take up time in getting his administration off of the ground. And then there's the question, of whether they hold on to these articles of impeachment uh, for a couple of months before sending it to the Senate and retroactively continuing with impeachment of a president who is already out of office. So there are a lot of different unknowns here about how far this will go. But we do know it's it's very unlikely that the Senate will vote and have the 67 uh, uh, senators that they need uh, to remove the president, not to mention before Joe Biden takes office on January 20th.
10: As far as the political implications for the future of the Republican Party and reports that Mitch McConnell is furious with the president, he's done with him uh, and 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 what he wants to be known for in his legacy and the implications for regaining control of the Senate, Katie, he obviously has to have that entirely in the back of his mind as he decides how to proceed. and, And he certainly isn't getting in the way of Democrats doing this.
16: Uh, Certainly not, but there could also be some political implications outside of Senator Mitch McConnell being upset with the president. He may want to hinder the Biden administration a little bit in terms of the agenda, now that he will be the minority leader in the Senate. But in terms of Mitch McConnell's decision that we're now hearing reported to possibly vote to convict the president, uh, you you have to remember that Mitch McConnell is an institutionalist. He has dedicated his entire life to maintaining the rules of the Senate. He's been criticized highly by the president for refusing to get rid of the filibuster and change the rules. And what happened last week uh, it was very personal for him in terms of wanting to defend his members as this is probably his last term in office, uh, given his age and how much you know he's put in and, and going from majority leader to minority leader at this point. Um, but again, the, this seems to be a political exercise, considering the time frame here uh, and moving forward with Republicans. It is very naive to think that the Trump uh, movement and the millions of Americans who voted for him who did not storm the Capitol last week are simply going to go away when they also have deep principles about what they think that Congress should be doing on Capitol Hill to represent their values, their principles moving forward with the same America first agenda that the president has implemented over the past four years. I
10: wanted to go to what we heard from Tom Cole, the Republican from uh, Oklahoma, earlier. I uh, made a lot of headlines when he spoke on impeachment and saying instead of moving forward as a unifying force, the majority in the House is choosing to divide us further, Katie. He said the House is moving forward erratically with a truncated process whose values do not comport with the modern practice. Uh, coming off this horrific event, he referenced again this snap impeachment process, and he said he's concerned about the precedent that this sets. And you go back to the words of Carl Rove that we played with Brett Bear at the top of the nine o'clock hour, with Carl basically saying that this is bad for the country. This is bad for both sides, unseemingly was his words. However it goes forwards forward, Rove said it's not going to be good for the country, Katie
16: yeah I, I I would agree that it won't be good for the country. you know I have lawmakers on the floor making these arguments that the president has to be somehow to how held accountable for. His actions for his words, Uh, we've repeatedly heard from scholars like Jonathan Turley that the president's words uh, in terms of incitement don't add up to a legal argument considering he did tell people during his speech at the Ellipse to go to the Capitol peacefully and patriotically to make their voices heard. But the argument that you're hearing from Republicans who are going to vote for impeachment in the House is that this is not just what happened last Wednesday. It's a culmination of the president continuing to tell his supporters after all of his legal avenues in court were 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 done and finished, that he won the election a landslide and that it had been stolen from him and therefore they had to continue and never concede. So this isn't just about what happened last week, of course, that everything came to a head and was horrific, but a a broader view of how a very small amount of lawmakers on the Republican side think that they can hold the president accountable. But in general, the majority of Republicans do not think this will be good for the country. And to your point, when Tom Cole said those words, he
10: was quoting Jonathan Turley uh, on the uh, dangerous precedent Mm -hmm. that this snap impeachment process, they say uh, that this sets. Uh, Katie, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it more on all that coming
12: thanks Sandra. trace yeah we we are going to hear from by the way professor jonathan turley coming up as you can see right there we're still watching as the rules committee in the house debates the rule for impeachment they'll have further debate this afternoon and the impeachment vote will come sometime later on this afternoon continuing coverage of breaking news as america's newsroom continues
7: gentlemen from oklahoma Reserve.
5: If mortgage rates at their lowest in history, it's time to refine. But if you're a veteran homeowner and need cash, here's big news. Introduce.
4: ...into committing fraud, and Republican-appointed judges into ignoring our Constitution. He made a desperate attempt last week to block the final election count and prevent the peaceful transition of power essential to democracy. Trump basically attempted to overthrow the government, to violently overthrow the first branch of government, this Congress. Like his deadly reaction to the pandemic... He totally bungled the deadly attack. Both his frenzied, riotous mob and his congressional enablers were defeated. America, we did stop the steal. We stopped Donald Trump from stealing our democracy and imposing himself as a tyrant. Today we not only demand accountability for his gross misconduct, but more importantly, we declare to the next Trump-like aspiring tyrant not in America. We love our democracy too much. Our capital is scarred, but our democracy survives. Violating his sworn duty to protect and defend our Constitution by seeking to violently overthrow the government.
7: Gentlemen's time's expired. Gentlemen from Massachusetts, if this is reserves, not impeachable. The gentleman nothing from is. Oklahoma is recognized.
14: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I advise the chair, I have additional speakers on the way, but they're having a difficult time, so I will reserve my time.
7: Gentleman from Oklahoma Reserve. Gentleman from Massachusetts is recognized. Mr. Speaker, I yield one minute to the gentlewoman from Connecticut, Ms. DeLauro. Jeanette, gentleman, uh, gentlewoman from Connecticut is recognized for one minute.
17: Just one second. On November 3rd, the American people voted overwhelmingly for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris to serve as president and vice president of the United States. The country was about to enter a new era with great hope for change. And yet with a device, a decisive mandate and majority, the president used untruthful claims to end the completion of a constitutional process of collecting the electoral votes, making Joe Biden president of the United States. Not accepting the will of the American people, the President unleashed the most horrific violence that overwhelmed the security forces at this Capitol, which was overrun for the first time since 1812, putting the lives of so many at risk. Indeed, a day of infamy. This impeachment will be viewed as a transcendent vote where all will be judged. Vote to impeach the President of the United States, Donald J. Trump, and I yield back.
7: Gentlewoman yields. Gentleman from Massachusetts Reserve, gentleman from Oklahoma is recognized. I continue to reserve, Mr. Speaker. Gentleman from Oklahoma Reserve, from Massachusetts is recognized. Um,
8: Mr. Uh, Speaker, I yield one minute to the gentlewoman
7: from Florida, Ms. Castor. The gentlewoman from Florida is recognized for one minute.
3: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I rise today to urge the impeachment of Donald Trump because the attack on the Capitol and the Congress was the single most depraved betrayal of the US Constitution ever committed by a president. The traitorous incitement of an insurrection demands not just impeachment, but removal of office from office immediately. Violence during the transfer of power, Confederate flags, anti-Semitic paraphernalia, desecrated this capital, so accountability must come swiftly. We must act with the same resoluteness we showed in the early morning hours after the re- insurrection, where we ensured the will of the voters was effectuated. Donald Trump's defilement of this capital will not stand. It demands impeachment now. I yield back.
7: Gentleman yields. Gentleman from Massachusetts Reserve. Gentleman from Oklahoma is recognized.
14: Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, I yield uh, one minute to my very good friend, the uh, distinguished gentleman from North Carolina, Mr. Bishop.
7: Gentleman from North Carolina. No, excuse me, two minutes. Minute, Mr. Two, for two minutes.
18: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I thank the gentleman for yielding. These articles charge incitement. Once before. The House impeached the President of the United States within a week of the alleged offense. That was President Andrew Johnson, days after he removed Secretary of War Edwin Stanton in 1868. Over 50 years later, the Supreme Court declared unconstitutional the Tenure of Office Act that President Johnson had refused to obey. In other words, the House was not only hasty, it was wrong punishing noncompliance with an unconstitutional law. At least when that occurred, The constitutionality of the law in question was unsettled. Here, however, an angry House majority races to impeachment in direct violation of settled constitutional law. Again, the articles before the House charge incitement to insurrection. They do not specify inciting language. The law is well settled. Quote, What is required to forfeit constitutional protection is incitement speech that specifically advocates for listeners to take unlawful action. The violence last Wednesday was abhorrent. Perpetrators should be prosecuted. Those responsible for security decisions held accountable. Congress can disapprove, revile, condemn, even censure, but you cannot, consistent with the rule of law, Punish that which the Constitution's First Amendment declares protected. If you do it, the violators of duty to this Constitution, however angry, will be those who vote for this article of impeachment. It is not Mr. Green's article of impeachment. It is incitement. And the Constitution is settled on that point. Thank you. I yield back.
7: Gentleman from Oklahoma Reserves, gentleman from Massachusetts is recognized.
8: Uh, Mr. Speaker, I'm proud to
7: yield one and a half minutes to the Gentlewoman from Minnesota, Ms. Omar. Gentlewoman from Minnesota is recognized for one and a half minutes.
1: <clears throat> Thank you, Chairman. Mr. Speaker, let us not mince words about what happened last week. It was a violent attempt to interrupt our democratic process. It was a targeted blow at the most essential process that makes us a democracy. It was a direct and specifically incited by the president of the United States. For years, we have been asked to turn a blind eye to the criminality, corruption and blatant disregard to the rule of law by the tyrant president we have in the White House. We as a nation can no longer look away. The president not only incited an insurrection against our government but has in word and deed led a rebellion we cannot simply move past this or turn the page for us to be able to survive as a functioning democracy there has to be accountability we must impeach and remove this president from the office immediately so that he could not be a threat to our democracy. I stand ready to fulfill my oath of office. And I challenge my colleagues on the other side of the aisle to do the same. I yield back.
7: Gentlewoman yields. Gentlemen from Massachusetts Reserve. Gentlemen from Oklahoma is recognized. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. We continue to reserve. Gentleman from Oklahoma Reserve. Gentleman from Massachusetts is recognized. Uh, Mr. Speaker, I'd like to ask you unanimous consent
8: um, to um, insert into the record a New York Times article published January 9th entitled, Our President Wants Us Here, The Mob That Stormed the Capitol. Um, it's another example of why our country cannot risk even one more day of Donald Trump. Without objection. I now yield one minute to the gentleman from California, Mr. Correa.
7: Gentleman from California is recognized for one I thank minute. thank the
19: gentleman for yielding and Mr. Speaker, last week, Congress was under siege by a mob motivated and directed by the president of the United States. Our vice president was the target of that mob. Members of Congress, both Democrats and Republicans were targets of this mob. And I witnessed for the first time in my life, Americans fighting Americans, all at the behest of our own president of the United States. And as Americans, we can do better. And I will vote for impeachment today for our nation, for our children, and for our grandchildren. And I'll be voting for impeachment so that America will once again be the shining city upon the hill whose beacon light guides freedom-loving people everywhere. I urge my colleagues to join me and vote for
14: impeachment
7: with that i yield the gentleman yields Gentleman from massachusetts reserve gentleman from oklahoma is recognized
8: thank you mr speaker i continue to reserve
7: Gentleman from oklahoma reserve gentleman from massachusetts is recognized
8: may I ask the gentleman how many more speakers he may have
14: uh the, whenever the gentleman is prepared to close we'll close we were hopeful that one of our speakers could arrive with difficult circumstances they're having just having a hard time getting
8: here i think we have exhausted all of our speakers uh so, so we'll, we'll well, are, gentleman. is my friend prepared to
7: close Yes. Then I'll close. Gentleman from Oklahoma is recognized.
14: Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Uh, Mr. Speaker, I yield myself the balance of my time. Speaker, I want to uh, thank you for presiding over these difficult proceedings today. I want to thank my good friend, uh, the distinguished chairman of the Rules Committee, and I want to thank everybody that came to the floor, had something to say at an important moment. Uh, And I think the debate, uh, while spirited, reflected the civility and decency of the institution that we're all privileged to be part of. And I'm very proud to have been part of it, very proud of all the members and the manner in which they participated. I wanna again thank the staff and, and thank those who kept us safe in the process, particularly the Capitol Police. Mr. Speaker, in closing, I oppose this rule and I oppose the majority's actions today. After the traumatic events of last week, the majority should be taking steps to unite us. Instead, they are only dividing us further. They are rushing to judgment, in my opinion, and bringing up impeachment after failing to follow any meaningful process whatsoever. No hearings have been held. No witnesses heard. No process or opportunity to respond was provided to the president. No members had an opportunity to review or amend this article before it came to the floor. This is hardly the way the House should undertake such a serious act. Mr. Speaker, there's still a way to unite the country. Let us look forward, not backward. Let us come together, not apart. Let us celebrate the peaceful transition of power to a new president, rather than impeaching an old president. And let us affirm and reaffirm with one united voice that the House does not rush to judgment on the most consequential action we can take. We deserve better than that, Mr. Speaker, and the American people deserve better than that. Mr. Speaker, I urge, uh, my colleagues, uh, as they reflect on this minute, and we move into our next uh, stage of debate uh, to remember that we're all privileged to represent a great and a good people who've gone through a horror, a horrifying and tragic time uh, and that uh, we owe them the opportunity to reflect and we owe them our best efforts to bring together. I know people on this floor feel very passionately about this subject with different points of view. I honor each one of those points of view and I honor the people that voice them. Let's remember when we're through this, uh, that we're one people and that we have one purpose, that uh, we're free through the grace of God and millions of brave Americans over centuries of time and we will remain that way and we will move forward together once we settle this debate. With that, Mr. Speaker, I urge my colleagues to vote no on the previous question, no on the rule, no on the underlying measure, and I yield back the balance of my time.
7: The gentleman yields back the balance of his time. The gentleman from Massachusetts is recognized.
8: Thank you, Mr. Speaker, and let me thank my friend, the ranking member of the Rules Committee, Mr. Cole, for his friendship um, and uh, for the way he conducts himself uh, in this chamber. I know he has great respect for this institution. Uh, Mr. Speaker, it is impossible for me to fully capture the reverence that I have for the United States Capitol. You know, I I worked on these grounds, starting back when I was a college intern, working for Senator George McGovern back in 1977, no relation, great last name. Um, But since that time, I have done everything from working as a staffer for Congressman Joe Moakley of Massachusetts, to being elected to the United States House of Representatives myself. But that internship will always be a high point of my life. Coming here for the first time, walking these hallowed halls, and seeing the glory of American democracy up close. The idea that someone would incite an out of control mob of homegrown fascists and domestic terrorists to desecrate the people's house fills me with a deep sadness for our country. The contempt that these people had for our democracy and our freedom fills me with horror. And what Donald Trump did, encouraging them, fills me with rage rage uh, not just on behalf of all of those serving here but all of those who work in these halls and i'm talking about the reporters the cafeteria workers the custodians the clerks the parliamentarians i go on and on and on and the staff the democratic staff the republican staff the nonpartisan support staff who were terrorized some hiding under their desks and barricading in their offices i was in the speaker's chair the day this unfolded and many of the people who are sitting up there now were present at that time what a horrifying thing for anybody to have to experience now some of my republican friends have been trying to lecture us about unity here today unity uh, after they voted to overturn a free and fair election in the united states of america but also preaching unity uh, and not acknowledging that for four years, many of them gave oxygen to to Donald Trump's conspiracy theories, to the big lies. They turned the other way in the face of racism and bigotry and and how he embraced some of the most intolerant voices uh, in this country. They just let it go. You know, I will remind everybody here, the words have consequences. And ignoring words that are wrong also have consequences. You know, what happened would never have happened if everybody stood up in unity and called out the president when he was not telling the American people the truth, when he was pushing a big lie. We will never have unity without truth and also without accountability. This week in Congress, we saw the best of us and and the worst of us. Some of my colleagues have shown that they will defend this president no matter what he does. There's nothing that he could do that would dissuade them from all out support. But some are standing up and doing the right thing under tremendous pressure. And I am proud of that. And I honor them for their courage. This impeachment resolution outlines the truth of what Trump did. It is time that this Congress now holds him accountable for his words and for their devastating impact. Last week, we took an oath to protect this nation. As history calls on us today, I pray that we all have the moral clarity to uphold it here today. With that, Mr. Speaker, I yield back the balance of my time
7: and I move the previous question on the resolution. The question is on order in the previous question on the resolution. Those in favor say aye. Aye. Those opposed, no. In the opinion of the chair, the ayes have it. Mr. Speaker, on that,
14: I would request the yeas and nays.
7: Pursuant to Section 3S of House Resolution 8, the yeas and nays are ordered. Members will record their votes by electronic
20: device. All right. And, uh, Anderson, uh, I'm Erin Burnett, of course, Anderson Cooper here as well. And we're watching history unfold as they go through some of these procedural steps here. Anderson, in the step towards impeachment this afternoon, President Trump is set to become the only American president to be impeached twice. So, as I said, this is a a rule procedural vote right now. They just need a simple majority uh, to impeach the president for his role in inciting the deadly siege on the Capitol. Right now, as we're listening to all that, Anderson, we know there's only five Republicans who have said they will join the Democrats in doing so. Now, there were no Republicans at the last impeachment trial, but there are five now, including Congresswoman Liz Cheney, the number three Republican in the House. A new reporting last night indicates Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell sees impeachment as a way to make a clean break from President Trump and is absolutely furious, full of anger at the president. So, let's go to Capitol Hill right now, and our congressional uh, reporter, Lauren Fox. So, uh, Lauren, where do we stand right now in terms of Republicans, and in that context, how significant is Senator McConnell making it clear that he, he likes the idea?
21: Well, Aaron, I think it's important to go to what we are seeing on the House floor right now first. Essentially, what they're doing is they're setting up the rule on this impeachment proceeding. We expect that that vote on articles is going to come this afternoon sometime between 3 and 4 o'clock. And like you said, Mm -hmm. this is historic. It is the first time that a president of the United States has been impeached not once, but twice. And that is all going to unfold today. Now, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, all eyes are on him. We know that the Senate is in recess. We also know that House Democratic leaders are making it clear they are not going to wait to send these articles of impeachment over to the Senate. Now, because the Senate is in a recess, they can't accept them at this point. We still expect that the trial will happen after January 20th when Chuck Schumer becomes the majority leader. But still, McConnell telling colleagues behind the scenes. Scenes, essentially, that the best and fastest way to rid the GOP of Trump and his legacy is to move ahead with this impeachment. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean McConnell's going to bring the Senate back into session. We don't expect that to happen. What it does mean is McConnell is making a clear signal to his members vote how you want to vote. This is very different than what we saw last Mm -hmm. year when the Senate was debating impeachment. Essentially, what this is, is McConnell is not going to be holding conferences with his members trying to discourage him in moving forward to convict President Trump. He's going to let members make their own decision. Now, look, we are a long way from seeing 17 Republicans break with President Trump. We expect, of course, that there are some Republicans who are open to convicting him, people like Senator Mitt Romney, who voted the last time on conviction. Also, Senator Pat Toomey has signaled he is open to moving forward with impeachment, and Senator Ben Sass has signaled that. But. Again, that's just a few members. That is far from the two-thirds necessary to actually move forward with the conviction. And one more thing I would note that I think is very important and we should keep in the back of our heads is it requires two-thirds to actually convict Trump. But if, if that happens on the Senate floor, they could then move with a simple majority vote to expel him from ever holding federal office again. And I think that that is a very important thing to keep in the back of our viewers' minds, because even though it's a high threshold to get there, it is a way of literally ridding President Trump from the Republican Party. He could never hold office. He could never run for president again. Aaron.
20: All right, Lauren, thank you very much. And of course, as Lauren points out, you know, you're looking at the Senate there, but here in the House, um, we're not seeing a dam break and a whole bunch of Republicans get on board, at least We don't maybe we will see something we don't expect today. But as of now, we only know a five that is bipartisan. It is very significant. It is not a dam breaking. Um, And I want to go to our our experts here to talk about this. Jamie, let me start with you. I know, uh, you know, Liz Cheney, you know how significant a a statement that this was for her to take this stand. Um, And we now have five confirmed members. No doubt there will be more. Um, But this sort of Liz Cheney is going to open the door and then all of a sudden they're all going to rush through it. We haven't seen that yet. Why not?
22: I think they're still scared of Donald Trump. Uh, What I was told this morning by a Republican source is that they're expecting between 10 and 20 Republicans to vote for impeachment. Uh, That's Again, as you said, bipartisan, but it's, uh, it, it's not a significant percentage of the caucus. The source also told me that members have spoken among themselves, these are Republicans, and said that they are still under tremendous pressure from the White House. A week later, after January 6th, they are still uh, being scared and intimidated by Donald Trump. And I just want to read you one quote from a member who said uh, that they, quote, fear for their lives and for their families' lives. So uh, Hmm. there are obviously some Republicans in the caucus, the Freedom Caucus, who will stand with Donald Trump to the end and agree with him. But I would say many of these members are simply scared. Yeah. I mean, you know, you've got
20: Marjorie Taylor Greene, right, the QAnon supporter right. saying Trump will remain president. I mean, you've got that that terrifying brand of um, insanity. Uh, and then you have others who are going for those other reasons. And I want to follow up on that point about fear. Uh, but but first, uh, Charlie, as a former congressman, you know, you know, a lot of these people you served with them. Um, how many Republicans in the House do you think when all is said and done and this vote happens today, we'll vote to impeach the president?
23: Well, I can't give you a precise number. I do accept that number somewhere between uh, 10 and 20. But mm-hmm. events are are fast unfolding. And I would certainly urge these members, you know, to put aside whatever fears they have. The emperor has been unmasked. He has no clothes. We've known that for some time. Uh, and this is a time that I think that members need to stand up sometimes in order to say, you, you, know, you know, they need to, they shouldn't be worrying about their jobs right now. Uh, they should be doing the right thing. They all know that. You know, you, you just have to do it. This is the time. Uh, this, And I, I hear this argument about moving quickly. Well, you know, when we were attacked by the Japanese on 7 December 1941, the next day, Congress declared war. You know, I, I'm watching right now uh, uh, National Guard Guardsmen, you know, sleeping in the, uh, vi- the, the visitor center of the U.S. Capitol right now. The last mm-hmm. time there were troops in the Capitol like this stationed there, actually sleeping there, was right when Abraham Lincoln uh, called the uh, the troops to defend the Capitol. and I know that because the first unit to respond was the Allen Rifles from my hometown of Allentown, Pennsylvania. This is a very critical moment for these these members. You know, this is you know they have to risk their jobs in order to save it. This is the time.
20: And yet, David, I think so eloquently put there by Congressman Dent, but yet they won't. David. So many of them will not. And the ones who will have been very eloquent in their comments, right? Congressman Kinzinger, if if what the president did, which he was clear, right, was inciting a deadly insurrection, if that is not worthy of impeachment, then what is? Congressman Meyer from Michigan, waiting to hear how he will vote. But as he told me, there is zero question here on the merits, the vacuum of leadership. And the president is simply not qualified to hold his office. Yet yet others are not moving, able to, to rise to this moment.
24: Well, I still don't think we should be as surprised, given the track record that Republicans have had, treating Donald Trump as uh, someone to be feared, as has been said, or someone to to treat like a metaphor. I think one of the great mistakes of the Trump era are those in media, conservative circles and elsewhere who thought, don't take him literally. He's an idea. He's representative of some sentiment out there. Uh, In fact, he should have been taken literally all along. Uh, because his supporters last week took him literally, and uh, that mob uh, stormed the Capitol, as we know. So I I just look to the extraordinary and mature leadership of somebody like Liz Cheney, who just sums it up. I mean, she just puts the big lie to rest. You know, the the president, she said, assembled the mob, lit the flame. Uh, It doesn't happen without the president. Yeah. And so I think what's critical, what, is all, what I think is already emerging, despite the numbers, the fact that McConnell sending the signals he is, the fact that Republican leaders are not whipping up a vote against impeachment, the fact that the likes of Elizabeth Cheney come out and Kinzinger uh, for impeachment, is already giving this a kind of gloss that the previous effort did not have. Yeah. This was an yeah. attack on another branch of government. It was also an attack on our elections, uh, which simply cannot stand. You can't, in a in a mature functioning democracy, have those kinds of attack stands. But this wing of this fringe element of Trump populist Republicans are still there. And there are going to be particularly members of Congress who don't have the backbone to stand up to that because they feel like their future politically is tied up in it.
20: which which again, Nia is the the, the sad and I guess pathetic truth here. You know, one thing, and uh, Jamie and Charlie raised it, Nia, but th- that some Republicans are using as their crutch here is, oh, this is moving too fast. You're bypassing a process, right? Never mind, of course, uh, the analogy to Pearl Harbor that, that Charlie just gave. Um, you also, and they're saying the president didn't have a chance to respond. He did. He was in Texas yesterday. He responded. He said, I stand by what I said. There was nothing wrong with it. Everybody's looked at it. They said there's nothing wrong with it. So, okay, I guess he didn't do it on Twitter, but he responded, right? He has he has had a chance to respond. Uh, and, and yet... They are looking for any excuse they can.
25: They, they are. And, you know, mainly they want to look away from what they experienced, look away from what they heard uh, from this president, both in the weeks leading up to this, the lies and lies uh, he told to his followers, essentially brainwashing them, uh, and they took him at his word that this was a fraudulent election, that people were stealing essentially their birthright. So they stormed the Capitol and five people died as a result. So sure, they would rather focus on a process. Uh, you know, this is going too fast, it's unconstitutional, whatever sort of excuses uh, they are making because it means they don't really have to deal uh, with the reality of what happened. The other thing they're doing is saying, well, instead of doing the impeachment, uh, why don't we do a commission to look into what actually happened? Well, you could actually do both because likely you will need some sort of commission uh, to look into what happened yeah. and also this growing uh, threat of domestic terrorism. They're, they're, they're also uh, not, really talking about. But, listen, I, I do think somebody like Liz Cheney is of a different breed than we see these Republicans. A lot of these Republicans are themselves Trumpists. They're not even necessarily afraid of Trump. They believe uh, in what Trump uh, says. Uh, you, you know, And maybe that's 50 percent of the caucus. Who knows? And, and others are obviously afraid of the power he still uh, wields. And they saw that power visited on them on Wednesday, he summoned a mob that came to their jobs uh, and, and and threatened them. You know, yeah. and so it is the fear is real, both of physical harm uh, and also their political futures as well. So they are in a real bind here, but it's a bind that they put themselves yeah. in by binding themselves so closely to Donald
20: Trump. Well, it's amazing. It's sort of um, you know, and I don't want to make a, you know World War II comparisons here too far, but that just the, the concept of a Appeasement, right? Well, I don't want them to be attacked again. I don't want my life to be at risk again. So I'm just right. going to let it go. I'm going to acquiesce. Uh, and it does seem that we are seeing a bit of that here. All right. All of you, of course, please stay with us as this uh, vote is going on and we're, we're awaiting going back to Congress, Anderson.
26: Yeah. Aaron, multiple sources telling CNN that President Trump is not considering resigning. He will not step down, but he is considering pardoning himself and his children, a blanket pardon in part for their role in the insurrection at the Capitol. CNN's White House correspondent, Caitlin Collins, joins us now. So Caitlin, you have some new reporting.
27: Yeah, we do. You're right that the president still has no intention of resigning. But, Anderson, we're also learning something incredibly remarkable, which is that this day that the president is likely to be impeached in a historic manner for the second time, the only president to ever be impeached twice, and he has no legal strategy right now, and he doesn't even really have a legal team put together. And instead, the president has been telling people to talk to uh, attorney Alan Dershowitz, who, of course, represented the president in the last impeachment trial. You'll remember those speeches he made on the Senate floor that the president has often told people he believes are what saved him that time around from having a slew of Republicans come forward. And now that's really the only effort that's been made so far, though. There is no comprehensive strategy happening behind the scenes. The president is basically invisible today. He doesn't have anything on his public schedule. And right now we are not planning to hear from him. And, of course, Anderson, we can't hear from the president like we normally do on social media, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or even now YouTube. The president has been suspended in some form of fashion. And we're now learning a very interesting development, which is THAT JARED KUSHNER as one of several officials who recently intervened in an effort to get the president on some fringe social media platforms, given he can't be on the major ones and he's been banned from most of them. This was an effort by people like the personnel chief, Johnny McIntyre, who was trying to get the president on sites like Gab. Those are often uh, where extremists go when they've been blocked from other websites. That was a consideration and an effort that was underway, I'm told, inside the White House to get the president on those sites so he could at least put his voice out there in some way, as we are so used to hearing from him like he did on Twitter. But Jared Kushner, other aides like Dan Scavino blocked those efforts so far. Whether or not that's going to change remains to be seen. But it really does speak to uh, this effort going on behind the scenes, given the president has been so angry over those bans from Twitter and Facebook. And it's just remarkable how different this day is from the last time the president was impeached, when they planned a big rally for him in Michigan. They told him the impeachment votes on stage. He bragged about how no Republicans had voted to impeach him. And now, of course, we've got at least five that we know are going to do so. And the White House is bracing for that list to only get bigger. Yeah.
26: Caitlin Collins, I appreciate it. Thanks very much for the reporting. Uh, David Chalian, Uh is uh, is with us along with uh, our team, David. Uh, it's interesting, you know. Caitlin was saying that that uh, you know they're trying to figure out wh- where else the president can can go to have his voice heard. He could go to the briefing room. I mean, he yeah. he actually has a briefing room in the home where he lives, and he could talk to the American
28: people anytime he wants. Yeah, and he did that yesterday. Not in the briefing room, right? But he did it uh, when he was leaving the White House. He did it on the tarmac. And he did speak to the American people, and he made clear that he thought he did absolutely nothing wrong. He, you know, made up stories about people assessing it that way uh, for him and that uh, nobody finds any imperfection with what he said at the rally, rally, just not true. So he did go before the American people, Anderson, and chose in doing so not to accept any responsibility whatsoever. I mean, that's why when we were listening to the debate on the House floor— you heard so many Republicans uh, make the case about process, that it's uh, rush judgment happening too fast, or that it's going to divide the country. You heard very few Republicans, maybe only Dan Bishop of North Carolina, actually try and make a case against what is being put forth in the article of impeachment. Even Nancy Mace of South Carolina was on the House floor saying she holds President Trump accountable for last Wednesday's attack. Well, How? There's, there's one way for Congress here that is moving forward to hold President Trump accountable, and these other arguments from the Republicans are not very much on the substance here. They are more uh, just trying to find a path to be able to stay loyal to him, those that are choosing to do so, uh, with an argument that just doesn't hold much water. And Laura, Laura Coates, one of the things we have
26: been hearing from Republicans this morning uh, in the House, in in their speeches, is the idea, well, what there shouldn't be impeachment, there should be a bipartisan commission, equal number of Republicans and Democrats investigating how this happened in the House, the security failures, what led up to this. that it's not an either. I don't quite understand that argument because it doesn't seem like it's an either or thing. I mean, you can walk and chew gum, you can do two things at, at once.
29: You absolutely can. I mean, the idea, nobody is saying you cannot do a commission, a bipartisan commission to figure out how it is you were able to storm the Capitol and have members of Congress hiding under desks for hours, looking to have some support and reinforcement for the Capitol Police. You can do that. You should do that. You should also investigate other things that are in your toolbox, including things like impeachment, including things like censure, including the 14th Amendment and the lesser known clause that talks about its qualification. These are all things that are in a toolbox that is full of different instruments that you can use to preserve and advance the separation of powers, checks and balances, and the oversight function of Congress. What they're doing, as David talked about, is trying to kick the can down the road. And it's very nonsensical to me. If you know someone committed a crime last week and they are leaving that house next week, do you let them have a pass and not explore anything? Because you want the new resident in that house to have a chance to make it pretty on his own time? No, you have to hold people accountable. And there is a wide variety. And one more note here, it's important that I'm saying, I heard Caitlin Collins reporting about this pardon. Remember the people of America, the president can pardon for federal crimes, but what about civil liability, which we know could be the result of some of the actions that have been taken as well. The US attorney in DC is saying, no stone will be left unturned. I suspect there will also be exposure in an area that the president cannot pardon.
26: Uh, Stand by everybody. I want to go back to Erin. Erin?
20: All right. And uh, we're going to take a brief break. Still to come, though, Republicans crying foul uh, and constitutional infringement over a new security measure that is provoking a temper tantrum uh, inside Capitol Hill. You're looking at it. This is what it is on this crucial day, causing the tantrum. Plus fear inside the Capitol. An FBI warning about inauguration week violence and militia extremists flooding Washington has members on edge. And five Republican House lawmakers, as I speak, say the president committed an impeachable offense. How many more though, when these votes starts very soon, will stand up and vote to remove him. The debate starts at any moment and you are watching special live coverage.
24: Introducing a revolution in the world of pain relief. New Advil dual action. Advil targets pain at the source acetaminophen blocks pain signals new advil dual action with acetaminophen now there's a new way BANG!
26: i Anderson Cooper. We're watching history unfold on Capitol Hill.
20: And I'm Erin Burnett. President Trump is set to become the only American president to be impeached twice. The House of Representatives this morning, as we are talking to you, is debating the need to hold the president accountable, accountable for inciting a riot that engulfed the Capitol of the United States.
26: Democrats on the side of issuing a historic uh, rebuke of the president, a second impeachment, an indelible stain on President Trump's term in office.
8: The damage this building sustained can be repaired, Mr. Speaker. But if we don't hold Donald Trump accountable, the damage done to our nation could be irreversible. Domestic terrorists broke into the United States Capitol that day. And it's a miracle more people didn't die.
20: Now, some Republicans have been fighting back with complaints about the process, saying uh, what the president did is wrong, but it's all just moving too fast. Meanwhile, National Guard troops are inside and outside the Capitol building, preparing for a worst-case scenario. It is, as you can see, a military zone. They're concerned about more attacks on the Capitol uh, being issued weapons today ahead of the impeachment debate. So let's go straight to Capitol Hill and our senior congressional correspondent, Manu Raju. Manu, you have been speaking to everyone in the halls of Congress, uh, and you just spoke to the House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer. Where do things stand right now?
30: Yeah, the big question right now is how quickly will that Senate trial begin, because it is certain that Donald Trump will be impeached today in an historic vote. We expect a bipartisan majority to impeach Donald Trump on the charge of inciting an insurrection. And then the question is, then what? How quickly will the Senate act? Will there be 67 senators who would convict Donald Trump, effectively preventing him from ever holding office again? That seems like a real possibility, but the question again is when, and how that process would start is when the House of Representatives would officially transmit that article of impeachment from the House To the Senate. Now, that's a question that's still ongoing. I just asked House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer about the timing of that. He said, "Quote, as soon as possible, they plan to send it." He said he would defer to the Speaker, Nancy Pelosi. Pelosi has informed him a couple of days ago. He said about when she would send it over, uh, but he said he would not give the precise time if it would happen today. Now the problem, the the complication here is the fact that the Senate is out of session. They're out of session until January 19th, the day before Donald Trump comes into office. The question is, will the Senate come back early to take this up? The majority leader, Mitch McConnell, is not indicating he plans to bring back the Senate early. Instead, he would come back on the 19th, kicking off the trial in the beginning part of the Biden presidency. And also, Aaron, will Mitch McConnell vote to convict Donald Trump. That is still uncertain, but a possibility. And if he does, Donald Trump almost certainly could lose a vote in the Senate, get convicted, not hold office again. Those will play out in the days ahead. But in the moment, we expect this vote this afternoon to impeach Trump. And we expect potentially 10, Hoyer thinks between 10 and 20 Republican senators, uh, congressmen could break ranks to vote to impeach the president. So that will play out today, as Donald Trump is going to make history, becoming the only president Impeached twice. All
20: right, Manu, thank you very much. Anderson.
26: Aaron, the president remains defiant as he faces his uh, second impeachment. We're told he is considering pardoning himself and his children, a blanket pardon in part for their uh, role in the insurrection at the Capitol. CNN's White House correspondent John Harwood joins us now. So what are you hearing about the likelihood of a presidential self-pardon?
31: Well, a couple things, Anderson. First of all, uh, we know the president has discussed the idea of pardoning himself and his children. We know that that's taken on a greater amount of urgency in recent days because the legal exposure of the president has gotten greater as a result of this insurrection. Of course, he incited the insurrection himself. His son, uh, Donald Trump Jr., addressed that Uh, audience and said, uh, uh, we're coming for you to members of Congress who were not willing to subvert the Electoral College process. Uh, And we also know that the President Trump uh, takes as his first consideration in every circumstance, his own self-interest. So even though some lawyers question whether uh, you could uh, constitutionally pardon yourself or whether that would make the president uh, above the law, um, uh, it's hard to imagine that reservation constraining him uh, why not take a flyer on it since he's got a lot of legal trouble? He can't absolve himself of all legal trouble because some of the uh, uh, hot water he's in is from state prosecutions or state prosecutors in New York who would not be affected by a pardon. But uh, I think there's every expectation that within the last seven days, this president will take whatever steps he can do to protect himself going forward.
26: There were certainly a lot of Democrats and Republicans who h- hoped the president might just resign, which would sort of uh, alleviate the, the the whole issue of what to do uh, in before he leaves office that was never i imagine that was never really a consideration on, on his part i mean that does not seem to be in his DNA
31: it is not in his DNA anderson uh, donald trump was raised to uh, always believe that he needed to project the fact that he was uh, the winner in every situation that he um, that's why he can't accept the reality of the election defeat and But if he stepped up to resign, that would be an acknowledgement that I'm beat, I'm whipped, and I've got to leave. The only way you can envision President Trump taking that step would be if he somehow concluded that a self-pardon wouldn't work, uh, and that uh, if he could get Mike Pence to pardon him after resigning. But you've got to think that uh, after the president put Mike Pence's life in danger by sending that mob to the Capitol, by uh, excoriating uh, Mike Pence for not having subverted the Constitution, you've got to question whether Mike Pence would be willing uh, to make that commitment and follow through on that commitment if Donald Trump expected it.
26: Yeah, John Harwood, appreciate it. Thanks very much. Uh, I want to go back to our, our team here, Ross Garber. We're told the president's discussing pardons for himself and his family. Can you just walk us through how realistic that is? I mean. Uh, I thought this was something that the department of justice back in what 1974 you know sort of wrote, did a uh wrote about saying that self-pardons was not something the president should be able to do
32: yeah no that that's true i mean let's sort of back up to the the constitutional language it's incredibly broad it's one of the the president's broadest powers it was actually debated at the framing of the constitution is it too broad should there be exceptions should there be exceptions even for You know, for example, for treason, what the founders said is, well, we want to make it broad. We don't want to constrain the president, but there is a big constraint, and that is the impeachment and removal power. Now, what's not addressed is this notion of a self pardon. That's kind of antithetical because of that notion that, you know, you can't be a judge of yourself. It's sort of baked into our legal system, into our government system. And you're exactly right. It was addressed back during Watergate in the 1970s. And the Department of Justice wrote a memo saying, no, a president cannot pardon himself. It is not proper. Now that is just guidance out of the Department of Justice, and it's never been tested. No judge has ever decided one way or the other. Now, you know I, I agree at this point, the President is going to be impeached anyway. And he may, oddly enough, you know, view that as uh, as meaning sort of there's nothing left to lose here. Why not pardon himself? But again, it's unclear uh, what would happen if he did it, and the only way to test it really would be if the Department of Justice were to actually bring charges against the president, and then he'd argue in court that he he's pardoned himself, and a, and the, a judge and ultimately the Supreme Court would have to decide.
26: Kerry Cordero, just in terms of the debate that we we've heard thus far, um, what stands out to you?
5: So what stands out to me in listening to the members that are speaking so far is particularly the Republican members who are um, saying that, well, this is just moving too fast, or maybe there should be censure. I'm really not getting the sense that some members of Congress really understand the gravity of what is at stake here. And it's surprising, because it is the members of Congress and their staff who were the victims of this attack. They are the ones uh, not only whose duties were um, trying to be impacted and prevented from taking place under the Constitution, but their physical safety and the physical safety of their colleagues and their staffs um, were in serious jeopardy. And what is evident is that the president is continuing to intimidate them. In other words, his activities in creating this environment of violence hasn't stopped. Jamie Gangel's reporting before the break is so important when she describes that some members are fearing for their own lives and the lives of their families. That's because the president has incited a group of people in this country who actually think the vote was stolen and who actually think that he is charging them with creating a revolution in this country. And so what I'm not hearing from some members, at least, is a real grasp of what is at stake. This is not about politics. This is about physical safety and the functioning of the country and the functioning of democracy.
26: Well, Laura, I mean, you, one could argue that you know they don't grasp it, or that that it is just that that for some of them, at least, they are operating out of fear. I mean, they saw Lindsey Graham being screamed at, you know, surrounded by security people, just walking through an airport to get on a plane. Um, And they don't want to go through that. You know, they have in their districts for the next couple of years. And therefore, it's easier for them to just, you know, vote not to impeach, knowing that the impeachment will go through in the House and that the president's going to leave office anyway.
29: Even more, they also saw insurrectionists threaten to hang the vice president of the United States right outside of the Capitol building. And you see, this is exactly what the founding fathers feared when they were trying to decide what kind of country we would have and the notion here that we're going to have a system of three co-equal branches of government, Anderson, that provided adequate checks and balances on an abuse of power. The notion and I understand is justifiable. These people were held essentially under siege last week. So we have now our democracy at this extraordinary crossroads where either we're going to have effective checks and balances or we're going to be overrun by fear in a way that would embolden, perhaps irrevocably, the executive branch of the United States of government. That's never been the vision here. And so that's why it's so important, as Liz Cheney spoke about, perhaps a vote of conscience. But I would argue the idea of this being a vote about the future of the democracy. And we certainly have an an idea from the founding fathers and beyond that we're supposed to have mechanisms at play to expeditiously remove threats to our country and abuses of power. And so it's really a sad day in America that the choice that our founding fathers thought they'd never have to envision in America is coming true. Either we bow to an over abusive um, monarch or we vote our conscience and we do what's best for the American people. That's not the crossroads I envisioned in 2021.
26: You know, David, we just showed a short time ago National Guard uh, troops, uh, you know, handing out weapons, um, you know, armed National Guard troops at the Capitol. We saw them sleeping also inside the Capitol. I mean, it's an extraordinary part moment in in our history. We also heard from prosecutors, uh, FBI officials, and uh, Department of Justice officials yesterday talking about the charges that they are looking at, and they talked about the videos that they have seen. They've gotten huge amounts of videos that were taken from inside the Capitol, and that they were talking about how it, the images that they have seen are even worse than the ones that have been publicly released thus far. Um, and they sort of raised, you know, the question of you know if the public actually saw what. The details of what happened, they would be shocked by it, even more than horrified, even more than they are. I think those videos should be shown. I, I'm not sure what the process for that is. But it's extraordinary to me, just the, I think there's a lot of people who view this as just, oh, it's just, you know, it was a riot. It was just, uh, things got out of hand and, and people, uh, you know, were injured in a general melee of, of crowds. This was very personalized violence. I mean, it was individuals attacking individuals, protesters with stun guns and, you know, beating up police officers and and trying to kill people.
28: On the hunt, on the hunt for constitutional officers in our democracy, the vice president, uh, the speaker of the House, uh, literally going through the halls of Congress to find them uh, was part of the plan here. And uh, those pictures, I get, Anderson, how traumatic They are for people, because it is trauma to watch this violent attack on the very core of our democracy. Uh, And yet, and yet, it is in these, you know, these members that you're watching vote today for those that will vote for accountability and those that will vote against holding uh, the president accountable for his words and actions that helped cause that moment— they're, they are walking through these hallways with the images that you're talking about of the National Guardsmen uh, that are there now out in force uh, in a way that we haven't seen before. Uh, they're walking through that and still then going onto the House floor and and, and for the vast majority of Republicans saying uh, this this is not something that the president is responsible for. This yeah. is not something he has to be held accountable for. That's just such – I don't – it is so – I, I, it's not terribly surprising. We've watched this for five and a half years, but it is still so shocking to the system.
26: Yeah. Uh, stand by, everyone. Uh, Aaron?
20: So, security is tight at the Capitol ahead of the inauguration. We've been showing you some of these images of the National Guard members. They're armed and they're handing out, as you can literally see here, uh, guns to some of these National Guard members. Uh, they are bracing for more extremist violence. So what other measures are being taken? We have some more details on that. Plus what we're learning about the arrest of a man seen at the insurrection wearing this Camp Auschwitz sweatshirt. Do you remember this guy? More on him next.